As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic's Football GM Podcast. And now, The Athletic's Mike Sando and former NFL Executive of the Year, Randy Muir. Welcome to the Football GM Podcast. This is not just any Football GM Podcast. This one is so special, Randy Mueller, that we had to retape the top of it because major news is happening. Dak Prescott has a four-year, $160 million contract with the Dallas Cowboys. So Mike Sando here from The Athletic with Randy Miller, the GM, back in our very professional studios to discuss this deal that, as of a few days ago, we weren't sure if it was going to get done. Randy, do you like the deal? Four years, $160 million, $40 million a year average puts him at number two behind Patrick Mahomes. Well, I'll say this. They must have paid him by the hour on the amount of time him and Todd France spent to do the deal, right? So it's two years worth of of time and and effort and money put into this thing. It's been a long saga, that's for sure. Um, I think we all knew that Dak had all the cards, right? That he had the leverage, that he played it out in a a fashion that he was going to get his deal. That's the only way he was going to sign a deal. And I would say $40 over four years – you know, 160 million. That's that's his deal. He got his numbers. Um, there's no wiggle room for the Cowboys. They had to make the deal. Do I love it? No, I don't love it from the Cowboys standpoint. That's for sure. I think they're going to have a hard time building a team around him. But I think when you make a deal and the timing comes down like it did, where you take care of everybody else on the team first, this is what you get stuck with. I think you could make a case, Mike, that making this deal for these numbers cost Jerry Jones and the Cowboys probably another 30 to 35 million dollars in the deal. That's that's what that's the price yep. of poker and the way it went up over the last couple of years. Absolutely. I mean this is a great deal for Dak Prescott. Oh, geez, um yeah. he he gets, you know, when he had them so over a barrel where the franchise tag for them for him was going to jump to 38 million. They were they were going to if they if he didn't do a deal and they wanted to have him on their team it was going to cost him $38 million for one year. And then, effectively, he's a free agent. I mean, he could have just left. And in the meantime, he counts 38. So for him to get more than 38 a year, he had to do that. He had him over a barrel. He gets 40. He gets a no-trade clause. 
the whole thing that was supposedly holding up the deal was whether it was going to be four years, which the player wanted, or five years, which the team wanted. He gets four years, and they can't tag him again, and no trade clause. I mean, that is a huge victory for the player. Um, And really, I guess to me, the only way he could do a deal was, hey, I got you over a barrel. If we're doing a deal... It's on my terms. <laughs> no doubt. And I think that's what came of it. They they negotiated for two years. Timing ebbed and flowed both ways. Everybody had the hammer at one point or another. But as it ended up, Dak had the hammer. And here's the crazy thing about it. I think most people in the NFL would view Dak as a quarterback between 9, 10, 9, and 12, somewhere in there. So they're paying $40 million a year for maybe the 10th best quarterback in the league. What's that going to do to the other guys who are coming up and, and – other quarterbacks that I think most view even higher than this. So it's definitely puts the whole market uh, up in the air. Good luck building a team around this kind of number this year, next year, uh, the year after, you know, I don't know. I I just, I I just shake my head at the whole operation because uh, of all the errors I think that went into this deal over the last couple of years, just from a timing standpoint, they've ended up having to overpay. Yep. Their team was already deteriorating around Dak Prescott. I mean, even last year before he got hurt, you know, he he was playing his butt off, you know. I mean, he's yep. thrown for three, four hundred yards and yep. it was the best thing they had going and they couldn't win a game. Yep. And th- this roster's been deteriorating, you know, it's gonna co- probably continue now because you've got uh you've got Dak earning so much money. But but it's just amazing to me that Jerry Jones is basically in the Hall of Fame for two reasons. One because Jimmy Johnson was his coach and they picked a bunch of great players early and they won Super Bowls. And two, because he reshaped the finances of the league with uh, getting people to own, you know, owning your stadiums, the TV deals, the money's gone up a lot in the league and he's played a leading role in that. And he just lost to a fourth round draft pick. Yeah. Uh, Lost big. I mean, he lost the business. He's the deal maker of all time and, and, and has been known as that throughout the league. He, he lost this deal. I don't think there's anybody that could say that he didn't lose this deal. And, and, so, and he got upside down with uh, Romo's deal, too. You know, he really yep. he really paid Romo and then stood by it almost to prove everyone right. Yep. You know, prove himself right that, hey, I get Romo's the guy. And now he's doing it with Dak. And I just don't see a championship in their future. I think he will he will see the the. Um, balance sheet weighed in his favor because this might sell more tickets. It might help him in marketing. It might help him in a lot of other ways. But from a pure football standpoint, I don't see it. I really don't. And I have nothing against Dak. Like I said, I think he's a he's a great leader. He has intangibles beyond his skill set. Would I want him for my quarterback? Sure. I just think they've paid a giant premium for a, a, a very good quarterback, not a great quarterback. And we've seen this happen in the league with Kirk Cousins. Yeah. I mean, he he had he had Washington in a bad position and then got to the market and got over $30, $30 million a year um, from Minnesota with, without being a top five or even 10 quarterback in the league. And um, it's hard enough for those teams that are paying the top guys who are top five, right? They don't win it every year. Right. Um, no, I, I think that the, the legacy of Jerry Jones takes a little bit of a hit with this. I just don't think – I think people are going to tie Dak's deal to him um, for years to come, and, and and we'll see. I mean, I just think it's he's made it really hard on himself to put a winning team around it. And I think part of that comes from their roster being fraudulently viewed by them as being a lot better than everybody yep. else thinks. And that yep. probably makes it okay in his mind. 
Now, in the media quarterback tiers, Dak Prescott's about a top six quarterback, right? There's a lot of people oh, of who, course. <laughs> if you're on Twitter, Dak Prescott's yeah. in the top five. So I want to, though, you know, let, let's consider if he's if he's underrated, because I think we've seen when, pe- when people come in without the number one draft pick pedigree, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then it takes a long time for the league to change their mind, whether that's Russell Wilson, whether that's Dak Prescott, um, you know, whereas on the other hand, you know, people – Carson Wentz has been a 9, 10, 11 every year the last few years, whether, whether he's good or bad. Basically, he holds his value in people's minds. Is that unfair to Dak? Is he better than people think? He's pretty good in the two-minute offense, which is usually a criteria to be in the upper tiers. Is he underrated in the league? He's going to have to uh, show on the field that he's not, and I think it's going to be hard to put the team around him that allows that to happen. The complementary part of a football team is the defense in this case, and their defense is not very good. They're going to have to rework their defense without a doubt. Their offensive line is not what it once was. They're still living in the past about having the best offensive line three or four years ago. So there's still some things that they have to work out to give this kid a chance to, to prove the critics wrong. And again, I have nothing against Dak. I think he's a really good player uh, and, and I would want him. I just think it's almost going to be unfair because there's going to be a target on his back now. And I hope he doesn't become the reason that they don't have a successful team. It's not his fault. He's played it to a T the best he could. And yep. from a business standpoint, he's been awesome. And Todd France, both, they should be commended for, for the way they've worked this deal and for the buttons they've pushed. It got him paid the maximum and that that's their bottom line. Yep. And, you know, I think we're now he's in a different situation because he was that fourth round pick coming in. But we we're we're seeing some things different with quarterbacks recently in terms of maybe maybe the money's good enough that if you can become franchised, hey, just ride the thing out. You know, that's kind of what Cousins did as an organization. You're in a tough spot when you have a guy you like but don't love. Right, Randy? Because yeah, no doubt. Because you have to pay love money to keep the guy you like. You like. And, yep. And it's going to come up again. It's going to come up with Baker Mayfield. It's going to come up with Lamar Jackson. These are the next guys that are good quarterbacks. I wouldn't put them great by any means. But what it's done is there's no happy medium. There's no $25 million deals anymore. There's no bridge deals anymore. It's either you're on a rookie deal or you're a franchise quarterback. And there's no in-between. And that's the part I struggle with with regard to taking care of these quarterbacks. And I do think it's easy to say for us, hey, that's too much to pay, Dallas. You should be, you should suddenly join that list of teams that doesn't have anybody. That's a scary thing, too, isn't it? I mean, what's the what's the cutoff there? How good of a quarterback do you have to be to pay at the top of the market? Yeah, I agree with that. I think there's a fine line between being a quarterback that you can win with and being a quarterback that you win because of. Yep. And I think in most cases, most NFL people would say Dak's a guy you can win with for sure, but he's not a guy that's going to carry you and you're going to win because of him. That's Aaron Rodgers. That's, you know, Pat Mahomes. That's uh, yep. Josh uh, uh, in Josh Allen. That's uh, maybe that. uh, Herbert, you know, uh, maybe even uh, Russell Wilson. Those are the kind of quarterbacks that that are in that first tier when you rank the quarterbacks. And, and that's because you win because of these guys, regardless of the team around him in some cases. You know, that's not going to go unnoticed, Randy. Sneaking in Josh Allen with that group, uh, that's pretty good. It shows where your ballot's going to be this next year. I like it. I like he's it. I like gonna, it. What's Dak missing? Going to get what's paid. Dak miss, yeah, what's Dak missing for you to be um, in that tier? Um, I, I will say this. I think he's improved greatly. Um, I think he's processed information better than most thought he would as a drop-back passer. 
Um, I think he's doing everything he can. I think his arm is good enough. I don't think he has the arm strength of some of these other guys. He's become a guy that's it's on the verge of being able to make all the throws. Um, I think it's just body of work as much as anything. And, and the names I mentioned before, those guys need body of work improvement as well. So time will tell. I don't think um, you see Dak Prescott in a way that puts a cap on him. I just think he's going to have to improve to get in the next tier. And that comes with winning and that comes with the team concept around him. Like winning, like improving in the pure pass area and just having it more on your shoulders more consistently and being able to elevate and win when your defense isn't as good. Yeah, I think that's right. I think you're going to have to carry the load like some of these other teams, teams quarterbacks do. Um, and it's going to be, a, it's going to, he better have broad shoulders. There's no doubt about it. And I think he's, he's capable of some of this stuff. I just think it's a lot to ask. You have ways to build your team. You have ways to, to structure your pay on your team. This is one choice. This is one way you can do it. Um, time will tell if it's yeah. the right choice. Yeah. And it's a great, great job by him. Questionable job by Dallas. And hey, the, the player won and this one for sure. He bet on himself, got the big deal. We're so excited to lead this one off with Dallas Press that I forgot to mention. We do have a whole nother show today we're going to discuss uh, here on the Football GM podcast. Uh, we're hearing a lot about the salary cap. I think we have kind of a couple counter narratives to, to the common stuff heard there. We're going to hop on this QB carousel. Just as Dak Prescott hops off it, we're going to talk about Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, a couple of veteran players who've logged a lot of snaps in Cam Newton and Alex Smith. Are they done in the league? Will they play again? We'll talk about that. Some thoughts on J.J. Watt and how Arizona maybe has already gotten some of its money worth without him even playing it down. We've got to ask the GM today, too, on Big Ben Roethlisberger. Stick around for that. Uh, let's roll, Randy. You ready? Let's go, buddy. I'm glad to be back. You come into this week and everyone's worried about the salary cap, right? I mean, is it going to be 180? Is it going to be 185? We got everybody's got their lists of who the best free agents are, frenzy this, that. Uh, but I think people can be under the misperception that the league and teams are really stressed out over this cap. And I know if some of them are, some of them that are way over are stressed out, but. But why is this not that big of a deal or that stressful for teams the way that I think people assume it might be? Yeah, I just think it's, it may sound chaotic on the outside. It may be uh, a little bit of a, uh, a crapshoot as to what we're going to face the next few weeks. But teams have known since June that they're going to have a reduced cap. They've known for eight, ten months in some cases that they were going to have a cap that wasn't going to be anywhere near what they're used to dealing with. So they've had a plan. They figured out, you know, every which way but Sunday how to reduce that cap, how to be compliant come the 17th. So if there's chaos going on, it's really more in the probably the agent world, in a little bit of the media world, just because the exchange of information, they didn't all get together. And you mentioned Indianapolis, that never happened there. The other thing is on the salary cap itself, when we see a lot of talk now of extending the TV deals and this and that, well, as we've talked about, I cannot see a salary cap number being announced after the TV deals are done. I think the number comes in, the TV deals come later. These owners, this is a, this is really, if you just do math, it's thirty million per team times, you know, times thirty-two less than they've spent in the past. So it is a way to clean up a lot of financial issues. And yeah, the teams are going to be up against it a little bit. They're not going to be able to produce the same type of, of. Uh, of big contracts in the past, but good players are still going to want to play. Good players are going to sign somewhere for whatever they can get. They're not going to sit out. 
So the quality of the players and the quality of the teams is still going to be there. It's just going to be redistributed a little bit. Yep. And that's the thing I think I want to hit on is, is you know, while most of the focus on the cap is like, oh, what are you going to do? It's lower. It's a great opportunity for teams oh. to use the cap as an excuse. They, yeah. they don't want a lot of these guys on their roster anyway. I mean, you right. read the columns that are being written out there. These are the guys who could be available by trade. Look at the names. Who would trade for these guys? I yeah. mean, they're, they're just guys. I mean, even the, the Carlos Dunlap thing with Seattle. Yeah. Uh, that's, you know, I'm living in the Seattle area. That's, that's happened recently. Carlos Dunlap's released. I'm like, big deal. I mean, nothing against Carlos Dunlap, but I mean, is someone going to pay him $12 million a year? Why? Yeah. No, it's there, crazy. There's a, yeah. For Seattle, sure, they would like to have him back, but they're going to have five other guys out there that we haven't even talked about that could yeah. be available, could fill it for a lot cheaper, right? It's going to be a buyer's market, right? A hundred percent. It's an out, like you said, it's going to be an out for a lot of teams and it's a built-in excuse or reason to reduce your salary and get rid of some guys who are probably overpaid. I would say this, I would surely, and, and let's just use Carlos, Carlos Dunlap as an example, his agent has to have tested the market. His agent, if he's worth his salt, has to have known what he'll get on the street. So there have been dialogue. If, if I was a player... I would want more than ever to have an educated agent right now working for me and has been for the last couple months trying to figure out what my market is. I would rather be employed at 2 million than unemployed at 10, if that makes any sense. And that's the question these guys are all asking. They've got to figure out what they're worth on the street. And I think it's going to be fascinating to see who overprices themselves because there's only a certain amount of cap dollars. Who overprices himself thinking that they're going to be uh, hitting the jackpot in like it was the year, you know, 2019? It's just not going to happen. And I bet you right now there's a huge gap between some of these teams and the players. And, and players, you know, are used to knowing or even their agents may be used to knowing what they're worth in the past. OK, what this type of a player at this age or this production can get. That may be different this offseason, though. I think if it's different. Gonna, yeah. yeah. So uh, you have to then... You know, especially, you know, the agent sometimes is telling the player not the truth, right? I mean, the, the agent may be, uh, you better have a good relationship there because there could be a big surprise for the player later if, wait a minute, what am I doing taking $4 million? I thought I was a $10 million player. Well, maybe in a normal free agency year, you could get 10 You might get 6 this year. And, and if I'm a team, I'm being more patient than ever right now. I'm not rushing into a deal. Are you? No, 100%. I think it's going to be, like you said, a buyer's market. The one difficulty I think that it will be on NFL teams is the fact that in a normal year as a GM, you would have 15, 20 deals in your mind. You would have it on spreadsheets. You would have it all sorted out on paper. In this case, because you've got in half the teams that have to reduce their cap, instead of those 20 deals, there may be 50 deals on the table. You're going to have all kinds of deals because you've got deals with your own guys. You've got what ifs. You've got a million different deals. It's funny. I always used to go into a meeting, see whether I was in Miami or New Orleans or wherever, with a with a little Manila folder, right? And and it had all the deals that I had talked to agents about all on this folder. Well, in this case, I think you're going to have to have three or four of those folders because there's just a quantity of deals that you're going to have to have in your own mind. And I think it's more important than ever that the GM is also wearing a dealmaker hat and has enough 
guts, so to speak, to pull the trigger on some deals. You're, if you're aggressive and if you're confident, if you know what you're doing as a GM, there has never been a better time to rebuild your team. It's crazy. You're going to, and you don't have to be the highest bidder for everybody either, but you'll test your relationships with agents. You'll test your relationship with players. And it's kind of going to be a little bit of a gauge on how the other players see your team because they're going to want to come back and be part of it or not. And you, your relationships that you have with your players and agents will determine that because it's not going to all be about money. They may get another dollar here or a dollar there, but do they want to upset the apple cart to go take five more dollars somewhere else? So then it becomes a relationship-based system. So as the excitement and the you know the frenzy of free agency and, and what might happen, let's face it, hope is sold in the NFL through the draft, free agency. I think the smart fan doesn't get too overexcited uh, you know, about this guy got cut from our team or wait, this guy's going to be able to test the market. The smart teams always in free agency wait, just about always. I mean, sometimes you really got to move and go to the top of the market. But for the most part, that's not where the good money spent. This year, doubly so. Right. Doubly Some of the times so. these deals now, though, in this market, you may put a, a, a few more guys out on the street, but the agreement you might have with the agent is that, go see what his market is. You know we yeah. want him back. 100%. Yeah. Doesn't mean Carlos Dunlap might not be back with the Seahawks at some point, just using him as an example. So you're going to see more of that than ever before because yeah. you're going to have to, they're going to have to satisfy themselves, a player and an agent that I can't beat this deal. And you may have to turn them loose in order for that to happen. Yeah. And hopefully the teams are smart enough and the agents are smart enough not to burn those bridges. Because a lot of times you'll take less money from someone else. Pride gets involved, that sort of thing. But um, there's a strategy involved there too, that we always used to use. When you were going to have, when you knew you were going to have to cut the salary of a player, yeah. I would rather have him on the street and get that news from somebody else and not from me. I didn't want to be the deliverer of the bad news just for ah. the reasons you said, so that I'm going to take less, but I got to go somewhere else to get it because my pride's in the way because they told me I wasn't worth it. Sometimes the person punished is the messenger and it's not their fault. So how do you finesse it? Let's just say I'm Carlos Dunlap. That's a big stretch. Uh, uh, I'm Carlos Dunlap. <laughs> well, you're 6'4". <six>, <laughs> I'm 6'4". <six>, yeah. <laughs> not quite as good. The athlete of Carlos Dunlap. Okay. Uh, so we got, if I'm Carlos Dunlap and you're the team and you and you want to be able to keep the door open, how do you tell me then that, sorry, um, you want to test the market without telling me, hey, your price is way too high, pal. We think you need a cut. How, how do you do that? Well, I just think you have to have the relationship with the agent and build on that. It can't. I, I always like yeah. to deal with agents who were the most educated. Inexperienced agents or those trying to make a name for themselves used to drive me crazy because you spend yeah. all your time really consoling them or educating them and they keep asking when they don't know the answer is going to be no. An, an educated agent knows the answers already, so you don't waste a lot of time. And in this case, I just think they're going to have to say, hey, we want you back in the worst way. We don't know what we can pay you, but go ahead and find out on your own what it's worth. And, and, and please just give us a call before you make a commitment. There's a good chance we will be able to take you back, but we don't know right now as we sit here, March 8th or whatever day we're talking, we don't know what we can pay. So you've got to give them hope that they can come back as well without slamming the door and telling them they're, they're devalued as a player. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy 
price, price line. Uh, the situation with Russell Wilson, I mean, he's got three years left on his deal. Um, they could easily just, I, I, I would imagine that he's going to probably come back this year, but they haven't said so. Um, would you consider moving him even this offseason? Yeah, I would not, not at all. And I would take calls, though, and I think John and, and Pete are doing the right thing. You're talking about a soon-to-be 33-year-old quarterback. You've got to have your phone lines open all the time. You've got to talk to anybody and everybody and see what somebody's thinking. Somebody might just offer you something crazy that you can't say no to. Plus, what, what's the saying go? I'm always interested in other people's ideas, so I'm talking to everybody because their ideas might be better than mine. So I'm going to build a consensus with keeping that phone open. I, I don't think there's any way, one, they can trade him because of the, and I say this and it's happened twice already, but the salary cap ramifications are crazy compared to the big picture of where the Seahawks are. I think it would definitely suppress the rest of their team. Uh, and, and the other thing is, I, I just don't think a 70-year-old coach is going to want to rebuild with another quarterback of which they don't even know who it is. So it's not like they have a plan, a succession plan. You know, There is none. So there's just too many variables there that I think this or any deal like this would happen. People say the Bears are going to make a big ploy for it. Eh, I just I don't think it's going to matter. I just don't think Pete Carroll's going to want to rebuild with another quarterback in the last two or three years of his career. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with that. Now, the cap ramification thing, I think this is what people misunderstood about Carson Wentz. Okay, So people are like, oh, the greatest amount of dead money. There was almost no difference in what he was counting on the cap, whether he was there or he was traded. With Russell Wilson, he's counting 32 if he's on the roster. He's counting 39 if he's not. So there's a, there's effectively a $7 million cap hit, hit an additional hit. That they haven't planned him, for. That they haven't planned for. Now, this isn't likely to happen, but um, I thought about this with like a Matt Ryan. If you trade him after June 1, huh. There's all kinds of cap savings, so it's a totally different thing. So I, I just want to stress that there are, the cap never stops you truly from doing what you want to do. Now I'm with you. I don't think Pete Carroll wants to move on um, from from Russell Wilson, but there's weird stuff going on there. The agent has sort of given them permission, really, to to, to listen. So I think you're right. They should listen. I think yeah. There, there's there's. There's always a math problem or a math equation that allows you to justify the cap being altered to make a deal like this. But I want to put the test to it of reasonability, right? I just don't think it's reasonable. It may be math-wise. There's a lot of gurus out there that think they follow the cap and they say like that, that, that you can't say no. They'll, they'll find a way to, to gain the $7 million. I just don't think it's reasonable. And, and in, the, in a franchise where, like I said, the coach is at the end of his career, I just don't see all those ducks lining up, per se, where he's he's out the door, we're going to take the cap hit. We don't have a quarterback in mind. Oh, by the way, we're going to take a step back there. I just don't see that happening. And I think as much as you have to put up with whatever's been going on and Russell Wilson complaining about personnel and that sort of thing, I think he's going to show up. I think he's going to play. I think he's going to try to play well. I think he's going to be focused on his job. I think he's by far their best player they can have at the position. They won 12 games. They've been winning more and more games. They have a new offensive coordinator who I'm anxious to see if he does some nice things with them. I think there should be more reason for excitement with Russell Wilson as your quarterback than trying to figure out a way out of it. So, And although I didn't like publicly him going out and airing the laundry of the coach and the franchise, there's there's some merit to what he's saying now. I don't, I don't want it out there either, but he, he's pointed out some weaknesses that the Seahawks have had, whether yeah. it's staff-wise, whether it's drafting-wise. Yeah. 
hey, there's fault to go around here. So I understand, and from that point of view, can can get where Russell's coming from. Again, that it hurts sometimes. The truth hurts, but there, there's a there's a little bit of uh, wiggle room, and, and usually the truth is in the middle somewhere, right? Absolutely. You know, and the teams don't like that and aren't used no. to um, right. the players sort of holding them accountable. Usually, teams are. Uh, get the first and last word, right? And the only word, yeah. <laughs> and the only word on it, we're seeing some players say, yeah, actually, no. You know, and I think as you have somebody who's been as good as Russell Wilson making that kind of money, has huge aspirations, you know, you can quibble with how it's gone about it and all that, but mm-hmm. it's on the table now. So there's pressure on everybody to do the right. best job you can. And if they don't have a good offensive line or whatever, it's yeah. going to be going to be talked about. Next quarterback I want to talk about is Deshaun Watson. And, you know, people have asked, me as I'm sure you, okay, you know, what do you think's gonna gonna happen there? Would they trade him? And I've come back to the idea that there's really no way for Deshaun Watson to prove he's serious until you can miss games. At the same time, there is a draft coming up. There are some considerations for the team uh, if they were going to entertain trade offers and listen to them, um, but they've shown no indication they're going to do that. I, I sort of lean towards they might wait him out. What say you? Oh, I think they're going to wait him out. <laughs> I guess the, the the take on it, and some of us have had the same take from day one. Let me just throw that out. There, there's been a lot of people that have said, oh, he's played his last game and he'll never play for the Texans. He's down on them, blah, 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 and been saying this for months. The Texans will decide if Deshaun Watson plays or not. If Deshaun doesn't want to, I should say, if he gets paid or not. If Deshaun wants to play, he's going to have to play for the Texans because they're the ones that hold the cards. We have not seen or heard the Texans' side of any of this argument, and you will never hear it. But we all know there are penalties, there are fines, there are de-salary escalators, there are uh, guarantees, all these things that could go up in smoke. I just truly hope that Deshaun Watson and his agent thought this through to the end. Because at the end of the day, if you're not willing to sit out, you're, just what you're saying is true, that they have no teeth in what they're saying. So they had to have this conversation, I would think, from day one that we're willing to sit out a whole season to do this. And to do that, it's going to cost him, I think I figured the other day, like $23 million, plus like $40 million in guarantees that go away in the, in the rest of his deal. So that's an enormous price to pay for something that you changed your mind on. You just signed a deal for whatever it was, $130 million several months ago. And all all of this you're willing to put on the on the table because they wouldn't what include you a, a chair at the dinner table, you know I don't know I'm and I'm not making a case for the Texans because they've screwed things up really from day one as well. All I'm saying is their hand will be played as time goes on, and the more time goes on, you're seeing that oh maybe the team does have some options. They do have options, Randy, but what is worth? Uh, what fights are worth having, right? I mean, sometimes you get in a fight and both guys get blinded because you got your eyes gouged out and you're bleeding, and you're on the side of the roadway, and that's no way to be um, either. So, is 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 it worth trying to win a staring contest if it does go into the season? If it does affect you? If he never is really happy with you, with your front office and it's a tense thing from now on, at what point would you as a GM say, you know what, Jesus, draft's coming up. I can get X, Y, Z. I can just reset. What if we ever won with Deshaun Watson? I mean, he's great, but we haven't, we're not exactly, we're 4-12 and with Deshaun Watson playing the best ball of his career. Is there a point you would do that? Because I, I think there's a, there can be a downside to just saying, well, we've got the leverage, so we're going to use it and win. Do you really win if it's in the long term? The point to me would come next year to answer your question. 
I wouldn't okay. think about it this year. I would consider it next year. But we got a lot, long ways to go. There's a lot of answers to the questions that everybody's been asking that time will, like I said, time will let those play out. Um, I agree. In the long run, it does nothing to keep butting your head against the cement wall and nobody wins. I just think at this t- at this point, there's a lot of mm, there, there's there's uh, issues that can be fixed. Obviously, he has a plan that no matter who he talks to, he's going to come away with like he met with the coach a couple weeks ago and came away saying, I'm not playing for the Texans. Obviously, that was all part of the plan, too. I mean, he's never going to say he's going to play for the Texans, but you're going to have to find a way to land him at some point or trade him. And I think that's a year away. I just think we're not going to do anything. They're going to sit on that. They're going to take the, what's the cap number? 19 million. They're already up against the cap anyway. If he sits out, they get credit for all that cap money. So they're going to find a way to use that as well. I I wouldn't say much. I wouldn't say much on our strategy, but whenever I had to address Deshaun Watson, I'd I'd be publicly saying really nice things about him. God, great young player. We're so excited. I would never disperse him. That's correct. Because you want him on your Uh, team. And I'm not blaming Deshaun Watson for any of this. I understand what he's saying. But if I'm the club, I'm not budging. I'm going to let him sit and so be it. I feel bad for everybody else, but we're going to build the best team we can with the guys who want to play here and if he doesn't, like I said, we'll take the cap credit, find a way to spend that and make our rest of our team better. When he comes back, we'll have a better team. Yep, yep. So I think we're on the same page that that, that will be a steering contest for a while. We're not going to see him traded before the draft, we don't think. So two other guys. Oh, and by, the other thing I think you, you we had talked about a little bit before uh, to differentiate him from Russell Wilson is the age. I mean, yeah. he, he's that's why, isn't that, that's a driving force in your right. mind of why you're not... That's why you're not taking you, calls. Yeah. What you, you might listen more on Russell Wilson, as great as he is, just because he's older, than Deshaun Watson, who's got his whole career in front of him. I mean, yeah. he's a young – he should be your quarterback for the next 10 years or longer. Right. So No doubt. Um, yep. The age Two makes are, a big difference in, in determining the value of either one for those franchises. Yep, yep. Um, the, the other two guys are older and are interesting. I was actually thinking about this we, – we were both thinking about this independently on – uh, Cam Newton and Alex Smith, and you the way you phrased it was, have we seen their final days? And I was thinking about that with Alex Smith the other day. Um, I hadn't thought of it as much with Cam Newton, but I think there's a great chance we have. I mean, yeah. who's signing? If you're a GM, Randy, you want to sign, sign up for these guys? No, I agree. I think they're different cases for different reasons, but we talked about a little bit before the show on Alex Smith, and and the Alex Smith story is is beyond a 30 for 30. It's a full-fledged documentary of unbelievable proportion that we all would never say anything against or, or not say this is the greatest story in the history of sports. I get it. But Alex Smith's contract and the guarantees that were in his contract were the reason he was back this year. Most clubs would not have allowed that to happen. They really were going to pay him. They were guaranteed. Plus, they were desperate and they weren't sold on, on Haskins, the other kids. So they had him come back. Lo and behold, he played. And, and, and nobody expected that when the season started. So he was there. He was functional. They won a couple games. Um, at the end of the season, they were going to have to make a choice. And I, uh, I don't think it surprised me a bit when they said, we're going to part ways with Alex Smith. I was also asked shortly thereafter in several other markets, hey, wouldn't he be a good backup? Wouldn't he be a good backup? So to answer your question as a GM, I don't think anybody's going to do this because I don't think anybody's going to pass him on the physical. That's the biggest problem. And that's one reason why the why the Washington football team had to move on from him is just the medical part of it. It's just too risky. I felt like it was risky to watch him this year operate. 
that made me nervous just seeing him in the pocket and and what was going to happen next. I can't imagine what Ron Rivera was feeling because he has, you know, ties to this guy and, and, and the belief in it. I just don't see another team's medical staff ever signing off on, hey, this is okay. You guys can sign this guy as a backup. The risk reward isn't there. He played, but he didn't play at a high level. Alex Smith's best days obviously are behind him. And at the same time, the medical is just such a risk. He has two negatives going against him in order to be a, a viable backup somewhere else. I just don't see that happening. So in his case, I do think it's uh, yeah. one that we probably have seen the last of Alex Smith. Yep. And and there's also going to be a price that maybe he's willing or unwilling to play at, right? If you're Alex Smith and you've been making a ton of money, do you do you want to come in somewhere and be the third guy or the second, you know, second guy making nothing? Uh, because I think he envisions this story involving him playing. Um, but I don't think he's going to get better and better from this point on. Uh, you know what I mean? I think he's going to probably be in a decline. Well, and I think the medical, again, will trump anything that we saw on the field. It'd be one thing if he had played great and you could go to your medical staff and kind of wink, wink, hey, we need to pass this guy, which happens in some places. Yep. That's not going to happen in this case. The, the the production on the field just doesn't equal the risk you would have to take. Yep. Now, in Cam Newton's case, if Tom Brady had stayed in uh, in New England, I think the focus would be on uh, you know the terrible weapons they had there for him. Right. Uh, Cam Newton was there and had terrible weapons, and that was a component of it. Not enough for you to to explain away um, how he played and and create any sort of a case for him having a future as a potential starter. I don't think anyone's going to sign him as a starter, but could you in any way justify bringing him in at, as part of the mix, compete with so-and-so? Yeah, I just, I, I'm, I think that, I think we may have seen the end to both of these guys and both of them are the first pick in the draft the years they came out, right? I think yep. in Cam's case, what I would continue to go back to it, and I know he has intangibles. I know he's a good teammate. I know he's a good leader, but what I saw this year from him and this comes from me, who I thought was a good idea for the Patriots to sign him. I just don't think he can throw anymore. <laughs> I just didn't think he could make NFL passes. And some of them were elementary passes that, that he didn't make for whatever reason. Maybe his legs aren't there anymore. Maybe the COVID got him down. I don't know. But I just didn't see enough positivity in the passing game. Josh McDaniels had to be so innovative to come up with game plans each week. And I thought early on, he did a great job of that. But then the league caught up with him. The league knew they couldn't throw the ball. Now, some of that did, like you said, had to do with the, the lack of weapons on the perimeter. But I didn't see a quarterback that could get the ball to those weapons, no matter who they were. I mean, he could have Randy Moss out there running around. And I just didn't see Cam's ability uh, able to raise to, to have a legitimate NFL passing game. So I don't see that. I really don't. And his personality is so magnanimous. I just don't know how he could ever be a backup, how you'd ever want that in your quarterback room per se you know you're talking about again a minimum salary guy for him as well to be the second or third guy and maybe help a young guy but I don't know Cam's game was so different than anybody than than most of the former MVPs in this league because he did it with size he did it with athleticism he did it with all things he's just not that pocket passer processing of coverages all the things that you look for in the quarterback room to help you train a young guy that's just not his MO as well so maybe there's some value there for somebody, but I think that's going to be a hard fit as well. Yeah, you wonder if he could be in a, on a team that has a quarterback like that, you know. Um, yeah, maybe that's know. his best yeah, bet. But, maybe a place but, like the Ravens? 
Yeah, that type of a of a yeah. of a place, but there is a process for like I give him credit for that he played for the the amount that he did this last year. I mean, oh, no. you know what I mean. Yeah. Some guys who've been an MVP and you know he, he has tremendous confidence in himself. You know, you know what I mean. He's Pride. he's got yeah. skins yeah. on the wall. I mean, he's a number yeah. one pick, yep. dominant player in college. You know. Um, who had a lot of success in the NFL, and so to even do what he did last year with New England. Um, but I think you're right that that opportunity to start somewhere is what is what will be elusive. So then as a backup, that'd be fascinating. These could be two guys we're talking about in June, July, yeah. August. Hey, who's going to sign Cam Newton? And you're going to hear, hey, Cam Newton's better than 25 of the backups in the league, or Alex Smith is better than 26 of the backups in the league. And that may be true in your mind, but it may not be true in the minds of the teams. Right. So, yeah, no doubt. I think that would be a good one. Interesting to follow. I just think it's fascinating that both those guys were first the first pick in the draft, and we may have seen the end of them uh, together. Especially in an era when you know guys are playing longer than yeah. than ever, you know, but but not everybody is, and so those are two uh, definitely interesting cases. Um, one of our last topics of the of the day. Uh, is J.J. Watt. <laughs> this is going to sound weird, but I almost think the Cardinals have already gotten value from him <laughs> right. for what they're looking for. Um, and, I, you know, I looked him up. He's got, I think he's got 24 games the last two years and nine sacks, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, Jamal Adams had nine and a half sacks in 12 games this year. There's guys on the Cardinals who've got as many or, or more sacks by far the last couple of years. So there's going to be a lot of focus on his production on the field, but necessarily think that's what Arizona's in this for all the way. Right. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I think, and I had written a column on Mueller football a couple weeks back about what's left in JJ's tank. And, and I think there is stuff left. And when I say stuff uh, on the field skills, he's not what he once was. He's not going to face double teams. I heard people say, well, now that he's in Arizona, he's not going to be double teamed every, he wasn't double teamed last year. Trust me, just watch the tape. You know, he's still productive. He still brings effort. But I agree with you. I think what Arizona got and what they thought they got, in spite of being criticized by every angle for for overpaying, is they got a, a heavy dose of we're relevant. That's what they were looking for, whether it's in the box office, whether it's in the locker room. They wanted the message to be we're relevant and we're going to do whatever we can to help push us forward and get us over the hump here in Arizona. And I think they think, hey, there's the, this is the Tom Brady of, our, of defense, right? We get J.J. Watt, we're going to get others to come. And for the right price, it's going to open up the floodgates for people wanting to come to Arizona. Because if J.J. is willing to sign here, it's kind of a referendum on our on our build, right? That, that we're we're there now. He, he could have gone anywhere. All he wants to do is win a Super Bowl. And he's saying that he believes in the quarterback. He believes in this guy, that guy. You know, he's on board. So they bought themselves relevance. So I actually think, like you, I think they've already gotten value for it. And I don't think the price they paid was too much at all. Interesting. So I still think the price is high. I, I look at Arizona like um, a team that's amazingly sold out every game since they've had their new stadium. It's going on 15 years. But I think they have to work to do it. Yeah, I agree. I, I I know this. If they hadn't overpaid, they probably wouldn't have got him. Yeah, and, and that's that the bottom line. This happened to us once in Seattle years ago when Chad Brown was leaving the Steelers, and we were a bad team, and we felt like we needed to add a player or two that were going to put us over the top. It may not 
you know, uh, actually not put us over the top, but make us relevant. So yeah. we paid Chad Brown to come from the Steelers. And I remember sliding the check across the table, a $7 million signing bonus to him saying, you can leave and go to the next team, which he had scheduled, but you're going to be walking away from this. An hour later, he signed a deal with the Seahawks and, and we kind of gained some relevance. And that's really what we're looking for. You can always debate whether on the field this makes us better. And I agree. I don't know how much better it makes the, the Cardinals. But again, it's more of a referendum on where we're at that you get, you know, uh, others to come because of it. You get other repercussions in a positive way because of the signing. Yep, absolutely. And they've done, had a history of this before. Emmett Smith and other guys that they've yep. gotten late in their careers as named players. And he did play with DeAndre Hopkins. So uh, there's that. And they're better with him on the team than they are without. you got to spend the money on something. So we'll see how he does. It's time for Ask the GM. Ask the GM this week, Randy. Big Ben Roethlisberger redid his contract, took a little bit of a pay cut um, to stay. It always felt a little awkward to me, this whole thing. Um, do you like this move for the Steelers? Where would you be at if you were Kevin Colbert? Obviously, a little bit of a delicate situation with the future Hall of Famer at the most important position. It definitely kind of came, like you said, and gave us all a little sense of awkwardness. I think it showed me two things. One, the Steelers were not prepared for the fall off the cliff of, of Ben Roethlisberger and his play. They weren't prepared for that. They, there's really not a succession plan there. I think they would like it to be Mason Rudolph, but it just hasn't. he just hasn't showed enough to do that. So really, this is a move to punt uh, for a year. And it's, uh, yeah, Ben took a haircut, which I was kind of surprised, but he had opened that door at the end of the season by saying, I'll play for whatever. So he takes the $5 million pay, pay, pay cut. I think that the interesting part for me was the Steelers were okay enough with this to push a bunch of money off into future years, which is something they normally don't do. They normally don't add voidable years to a contract, and this is just done for cap proration purposes, and they did it. And that told me that they they didn't have a plan, that they were a little bit desperate. They needed Ben back. I do think now, having done this deal, having pushed off some cap, two things. One, it is a one-year deal. I think I don't think he'll play beyond this year. And two, the, talk, the clock is ticking now for Kevin Colbert. He's got to have an answer. So I wouldn't be surprised to see the Steelers either sign another veteran or come up with a way in the draft to move up and get one that they really like. That's the problem is just finding one that you really like in order to hit your wagon to. But there's there's definitely the quarterback movement uh, going on right now in the league. And I don't know if they can end up with a bargain price on, on a guy like, say, the Saints did with Jameis Winston or something like that. But that's the kind of deals they're going to have to look for. They're going to have to find an answer to a position that they thought they were going to get another couple of years out of Ben on. I think it's a one-year deal. Yep. And, you know, I, we've talked about this before where I just felt like they've been trending towards placating Ben. You know, the offense has become him and the shotgun, getting the ball out quick. He never gets hit. There's no run game. Yeah. But I also think that told them, tells me what they think of him. Yeah, yeah. What I would like to see this year with him taking a, a pay cut is to be that symbolic of, hey, we got to do this on the team's terms too, you know, and and have a run game and, and have balance it out and have a formula that, I mean, look, they've got a top 10, if not a top five defense. Right. You should, and they were 11 and 0 or whatever. Yeah. You should be able to win games and, and be relevant and even win in the playoffs. Uh, if he just plays in a win with quarterback mode, right? Yeah, but I think or do you think he's so done? Or do you think he's so done you can't even do that? I think he's done if they fashion the roster the way it was last year. I just don't think 
they have, I think they've got to solve some issues up front. This was a team that got pushed around up front. Not, not normal by Steeler standards, right? They have not had the physicalness. They haven't knocked anybody off the ball. They've got to find a way to keep Ben protected and upright. And maybe the ball doesn't have to come out so quick. The other thing that I think they have to do, and I love the James Conner story. It's another one of those that really tugs at our heart, cancer survivor, the whole bit. I just think they need to get better at that position. They need some kind of a back that brings some dynamic ability to to make a guy miss when we don't block it perfectly, to break an arm tackle and run for 25 yards, not for five. So they're, yep. they're lacking dynamic, I think, in the backfield. And then they've got to solidify up front. So this price, this, this Ben redo comes with a price at other places that Kevin and his staff have got to upgrade. Yep. And so there's some tone setting that needs to be done, some tone setting players for them. But I'm with you. I think it's his last year. I don't think they're going to be in the Super Bowl. And we've seen before when you know it's over, but it's not over. I mean, how many times does it go storybook ending? You know, this could, this could be less storybook than storybook. Yeah, uh, if you ask me. So anyway, Randy, let's do this again soon because we're going to have a lot of free agency movement coming up. Um, you know where you can find us. You can find me on Twitter at Sando NFL. Everybody, Randy's at Randy Mueller underscore. Also, MuellerFootball.com. Check that out. Randy's cranking out a lot of stuff there. You can, of course, find me uh, right here on The Athletic as well. Thanks, everybody, and we will talk to you next time. Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.